Welcome to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast with your host, Eve Mayer. Join Eve and her guests each week as they discuss how to live a healthier, longer, and more fulfilling life through fasting, keto, and low-carb feasting. This is Eve Mayer with Life in the Fasting Lane podcast, and today I'm super pumped to have Terry, the infamous Terry, regain her health and reversed her type 2 diabetes through paleo, keto, all kinds of good ways of eating. She also used intermittent fasting and made different lifestyle choices. Terry believes in addressing the entire person. Imagine that, your mind, your body, your spirit, in her personal journey, and she focuses on helping her own clients incorporate healthy mindsets and self-nurturing. She has a knowledge of fasting, nutrition principles, and she is partnered up with the Intensive Dietary Management Program, who you all know I am giant fans of. They are a fasting program started by Megan Ross and Dr. Jason Funk. Terry Lance is a health coach with IDM, and you can check them out at idmprogram.com. And Terry actually leads the behavioral change program and the envy of everyone, the fasting retreats in exotic and beautiful places. Terry, welcome so much. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Eve. It is great to get to talk with you and be here today. Well, you too, and if you're watching this on video, guys, you can see that Terry is quite fabulous with her fancy sunglasses and her very Hawaiian lifestyle. Terry, is it true that you're coming to us live from Hawaii? I am. I am on the east side of the big island. It is hot and steamy. Um, I'm actually steaming up here. It's so muggy. <laughs> I live in the jungle. So. Oh, my gosh. So what island do you live on? I live on the big island, okay. and I live on the east side, which is the um, rainforest side. So I, I live in a jungle. And then um, we have the retreats over on the west side, which is the Kona side, which is the little bit drier side. I've only been to Hawaii once and I got to go to the big island and it was absolutely my favorite. I loved it. I thought it was incredible and I need an excuse to go back. So we'll be talking about the retreat today and we'll be learning all about Terry. So Terry, start us off. Tell us like your background. What is the path that led you to this life of fasting and reversing type two diabetes in the first place? Where did this all start? Well, I think unfortunately it started with my own lack of health. Um, I, I, I was overweight from the time I was a kid, probably about age seven. And I think um, both my grandmothers had type two diabetes and I think it had always just been kind of drilled into my head that that's where I was headed. Um, and so I, I just knew that that was going to be my, you know, plot in life. And so I struggled with my weight many, many, many years. And then, um, when I was in my early 30s, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and it was kind of a fluke that I was diagnosed. Um, I, I was heavy at the time, but I guess not enough that anyone thought it was alarming, and um, you know, I was still fairly young, so no one was even checking that. Um, so it was kind of a fluke that it was even discovered, and it was bad. Um, if, if you're familiar with diabetes numbers, um, when I was diagnosed, my HbA1c was 13.1. And 6.5 is where we diagnosed type 2. So it was, I was well, well into um, being very diabetic. So um, I got, you know, prescribed a bunch of medications and just continued to live my same lifestyle and didn't make any changes. And I just got sicker and sicker. 
sure the medication brought it down some, but I was just on a path of destruction. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until about five years ago that I finally got real with myself and realized I had to make changes or this was going to be the path that was going to continue to worsen for me. So I started um, changing how I ate, um, sort of doing a lot of things to try and change my lifestyle, kind of clean things up a bit. And I lost a lot of weight, but it wasn't really until I started doing the fasting that I really saw the numbers changing and staying where I needed them to be and the weight being able to be maintained. So at this time, I don't take medication for diabetes any longer. I wouldn't test as diabetic if I went into a doctor's office. That's incredible. Congratulations. Um, I you. was 300 pounds. Uh, I was never, uh, I was always pre-diabetic. I was, you know, I don't know how at 300 pounds, I was only pre-diabetic, but it was only pre-diabetic um, and, and never quite got to diabetes and, and um, your story's pretty amazing. You know, I don't know. I, I guess I'm a judgmental person because I look at you, Terry, and I see like, and I always think this, and I don't know why I'm this way, and maybe other people are this way too. You look so skinny to me, like you look so fit. And I just always make these assumptions about people. Like if I would just see you, I'd be like, yeah, she's always been fit. She's naturally fit. Like that's just how it is. And I just like, I think whatever person I see, I just, if they're fit, I'm like, they've never struggled. They've never had an issue. Cause in like my concept, I'm like the fact that I look like this at, you know, in the one eighties, which is for me, a minuscule number, like compared to 300, 180s to me is crazy hot, you know, for me. Um, and I, I still trying to wrap my head around the fact that I've been in the 180s, 190s for a year and a half now, and it's, it's not coming back. Like it's fasting is just a part of my life now. And, um, eating low carb and eating healthier is just a part of my life now. And I'm not going to say it's easy, but I think that constant fear of, I'm going to go back to 300 pounds. I'm going to go back to 250 pounds. I'm going to go back to 225 pounds for the first time ever. I am not as obsessed. I am not as mentally um, controlled by that fear. So I bring this up because I know that your specialty is behavioral change in regards to food, nutrition, and eating. And I, I want to hear more about that. And I want to understand exactly what that is and how you help people. Great. Um, well, if I want to kind of go back to something you said in there, um, yeah. I think it's interesting too, like, you know, we're always projecting things onto other people because I still see myself as overweight and it, it kind of doesn't matter what size clothes I buy or what happens. I still see myself at a set weight that is well beyond where I am. And every now and then someone will say, Oh, they'll give me a hug. I'm like you're tiny. And I'm like, that word is so incongruent for me in how I see my body and have ever known my body. So I think for all of us, um, our weight has so much, you know, history with it, so much emotional ties to it um, and identity. It's how we see ourselves, um, whether it's accurate or not. So um, my background is as a psychologist. And um, so I, I bring that into this. Um, I'm not... Um, how do I say it? I, I, my training as a psychologist was not in nutrition or um, eating disorders, but just kind of combining what I know now about um, health and weight management and what I know about human behavior and 
combining these things. And then the other part for me is a little bit more of my spiritual journey or um, not even spiritual maybe, but I always refer to myself as being a little woo-woo. Like I just talk a lot about, you know, how we talk to ourselves and um, what we say being really important. So in working with people, I try to think about how do we make behavior changes, whatever the behavior change is. Um, and then how does that apply specifically to food, to weight, to health, um, and try and help people make those connections. Um, I'm not sure if it would help to kind of run through a little bit of an example of um, a change model. Like how do we change behavior? Yeah, I've changed a lot of things in my life. I'm a huge believer in therapy. Um, I actually went to a binge uh, treatment center uh, for a, a month or longer, actually, like, you know, seven, eight years ago when I was eating with dealing more with binge eating and, and addiction to food. Um, and I, I, it's such a struggle because the problem is some weird magical combination between my brain and the physical hormones in my body. And I always felt like if I could just solve one of them, if I could just get one of them under control, and I didn't care which one, maybe just the brain side of it, maybe just the body cues of hunger side of it. I always thought I could then just handle the other one, right? And so for me, I always felt hungry, physically hungry, which I now think had to do a lot with the things I was eating. Um, but I had three bariatric surgeries that I thought would solve the hunger and it didn't. I took medications. I went to therapy. I worked with trainers. I did every diet. I restricted calories. Um, and really nothing for me in a lasting way took away hunger besides two things. And that was eating low carb for me and um, intermittent fasting. That was it. Those are the only two things that work for me. And I feel passionate about spreading this message because I don't think that's the answer for everyone. I don't know the answer for each particular person, but I do think it's the answer for a lot of people who have, who are really these amazing badasses who just keep beaten down with shame and fat and ridicule and haven't tried these couple of things that may work for them. And I've had a couple of friends who have tried it and it, it has not really been for them. And then I've had other friends that have tried it and been like, why didn't I have this information 30 years ago? Why didn't I have it 10 years ago? And so it's just the spread of the knowledge for each person to find their own way, their own answers, their own um, direction to their, to their best health. So yes, tell me about the behavioral change process. Tell me the kind of model of what you take people through. Sure, sure. I think um, one of the things that I try to keep in mind is just kind of where we are in the process. If you've heard of um, the change model, I don't remember when it, they first came up with it, Prochaska and Di Clemente, but they talk about that there's a, actually like kind of a step-by-step -step process that we go through to make change. And I think they started this with addiction for, um, I think for tobacco use. Mm -hmm. um, but they talk about that first we enter a pre-contemplation stage, and this is usually denial. This is usually we don't really think there's a problem. This was me for the first 15 years when I was diabetic. <clears throat> wanting to eat Pop-Tarts and um, Diet Mountain Dew for breakfast, I was in denial that I was going to lose my feet if I kept doing this. Um, you know, I, I was going to continue to get sicker and sicker. And so I was in denial. I just thought, eh, they'll come up with something by the time I'm 70, I'll be okay. 
Um, then there's, we get into the contemplation where we actually realize there's a problem and that we might actually be able to do something to resolve it. And, and we start to get into that, that area. I think a lot of people come to like keto or paleo or even intermittent fasting in that place. Like, wow, there might be this tool that could help me. I'm kind of skeptical. But a lot of people never make it past this stage because that's where we really have to face in order to change. We have to change things. I could not eat Pop-Tarts and get healthy. Yeah. I actually had to change that part. So a lot of people, we stop there at contemplation. Um, then there's um, preparation. So we get ready for it. We get our resources all together. Then we take the action. We get good at the action. We make the change and then maintenance. And then, of course, along the way, relapse happens. And I think that's another part that's really challenging for folks is that it is very normal to relapse even when change is successful. Um, and it doesn't mean that we're failures. You know, do I sometimes still eat things that I know are not good for me? And do I start to go down that path a little bit? Yes, I still struggle with that. So even by working with people in this way, I'm not trying to say it's so easy that I never struggle with it anymore. Relapse and struggle is part of the process in my mind. Um, Another person that you might be interested in or other listeners might be listening, interested in, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's an, a doctor. He is actually a bariatric surgeon. Um, and his last name is C-Y-W-E-S. I don't know if you've ever listened to him. or um, but He talks about um, particularly addiction to sugar and starches, so carbohydrates. Um, he, talks, um, he talks about them. He talks about them as really that we, we become addicted to them because of a faulty or a not well enough developed emotional management system. And that's where I really have the bulk of my work with IDM, I think, is, you know, people come in, they know how to fast. They know the, the how many hours, what to do, how much electrolyte to take and everything to do. Um, they even know how to eat. They, they figured out what level of carbohydrates they can handle or whatever their approach is going to be. But where they really struggle is all of the reasons why once those physiological reasons are out of the way, like you said, the, um, the drive to eat, like I was always hungry when I was diabetic, always. I could eat a meal and be so full I was in pain and start thinking about when I was going to get to eat next. I was always hungry. So once we get those things out of the way, then we're left with, why are we eating? I'm bored, I'm lonely, I'm sad, I'm angry, I don't know what else to do, I'm, I'm busy and I need something to occupy myself while I'm doing this or whatever it is. And so I think um, listening to him is also really helpful for me in making it a, not a blame and shame thing. It is natural. If we don't have enough in place to help support our emotional management, many of us are going to turn to problematic eating patterns as a way to cope. That was absolutely me. And I really miss working through my feelings with a piece of cake. Um, it sucks. I hate dealing with my own emotions. I, I would love to avoid it. I would love to not think about them. Uh, I like to be a healthy person, but I just, I would rather work or get something done or build a business, anything than like actually process my emotions. And this past year and a half of, I just don't eat 
that often, you know, like even to me when I eat three times in a day and that's a day that, you know, I'm pretty hungry. So I have three meals that day. Most days I eat twice a day. Um, but like if I eat three times in a day, which is maybe happens once or twice a week, that's a heavy eating day. And that is by far at least half as much as I was eating before. So all that time that eating took up in my life, um, really helped me to avoid feeling sad, feeling mad, feeling angry, you know, all those things. And I gotta be honest, sometimes it really pisses me off that it's gone. Like I'm really pissed off that I got to think about something instead of eating a Snickers bar. Like it's really annoying. Now, am I a healthy or emotional person now? Yes. I hate it sometimes, but probably so. Um, and, and I definitely have to develop skills. And I do think that's something like, I never had this thing where a lot of people think like when they get thin, well, I'm not thin, but like, I'm at a healthy weight for me and I am healthy. I feel fantastic. I actually think I look a lot like Jessica rabbit at this point. You know, I don't know if you remember her, but I'm not sexy. I was just drawn that way. So I, I feel really good about it. And I, I didn't always have that thought that I think a lot of people do. Like if you deal with obesity your whole life, you think if I lose the weight, everything's going to be perfect. Well, I never thought that. I, and, and it's still not perfect, but dealing with tough emotional issues when you are healthy is a lot easier. Um, but the skills that you need to develop to actually face those issues, the process is not fun for sure. And so sometimes the, the fasting is way less difficult than the actually facing yourself or being honest with yourself or understanding what you truly want in life or understanding and being honest with about who you are. That stuff is a lot of freaking work. So I, th I know some things that have helped me is just, I, it sounds like super goody goody, but I just always tell the truth. So if I'm having a crappy day and I go to the grocery store or I go to the hardware store and they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, I am doing horrible. How are you doing? And they're just always shocked that someone has actually answered the question, honestly. Now, in the same token, if they're like, how are you doing? And I'm having the best day ever. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having the most amazing day. I'm going to Florida later or whatever. Like, when are grownups going to start telling each other the truth and making it okay for a day to suck or making it okay for the day to be the best day ever? And just like being honest about our ups and downs, even in the most blessed lives, you know, even in the most wonderful lives where we have enough food and we have enough water and we have a nice house, sometimes the day just sucks. And that's just how we feel. Anyway, I went off on a tangent there, Terry. I don't know what I was really trying to say. I was just like connecting with you as a human. All right. So it's, it's an occupational hazard for me. People just, right. do that. <laughs> they just do that. They're like, let me lay down on this damn sofa. All right. So give us three tips or big ideas to help people make changes when it comes to food. Like everybody knows you're a pro on this. Everybody comes to you. Like what's your top two or three that most people need to hear? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I know this is so cliche cause it's everywhere in, you know, business and entrepreneurial stuff, but I think there's such a power in knowing your why. Why is this important to you? Um, what about the health is important? What about losing this health is important to you? You know, for me, like now, I, at one point in my late 30s, I was developing neuropathy in the sides of my legs. And I started to realize, like, this is no joke. Like, I'm, I'm having physical consequences for this. I don't want those. So knowing your why, 
For me, I do not want to be on diabetic medications again. I do not want to be part of that statistic about how much diabetes um, costs this country every year and our healthcare costs. I do not want that. I do not want the rest of my life to go in that direction. So knowing your why, um, and both I think being realistic, knowing the positive of why, what, what I'm going to be able to do if I'm healthy and a healthy weight, and also what I can avoid not having or the negative consequences. So I think really knowing your why. Um, I think, again, always going back to, um, again, this is a why, but knowing why you're eating, getting honest with yourself and checking in. Like for me, first thing in the morning, I have a bulletproof coffee. Yes, I am someone who puts lots of fat in my coffee. But you're catching me this morning with this. So I had to go to the kitchen this morning and say, why are you grabbing that? Why are you wanting to grab that bulletproof coffee? You're going to fast today. That's not part of it. That, that's not going to help you reach your goal right now. That's not going to help you with your health. How about this nice glass of water? So um, being, again, honest and check in with yourself. And if, if what I wanted to say was, you know, why I'm eating or having my bulletproof coffee today because it feels really good and I need that today, then I would allow it. And I'm not saying I would deprive myself of something. Being honest with yourself and not just doing things automatically. I know I can eat just automatically without even thinking. Um, and then I think the other is, and, and this is, again, I know I'm, these all sound kind of cliche, but how you talk to yourself. Even if I eat a donut, I am not going to be nasty to myself about it. I'm not going to say mean things to myself about it. Um, I'm going to let myself enjoy it. And I'm going to have a plan of how I don't have another one and another one. Um, but I think, you know, our brain believes what we tell it. And if I say I'm a loser, I'm always going to fail, I can't do this, my brain believes it and it acts accordingly. And so how I talk to myself about myself is super important. So those are my three biggest ones, I think. I love that. That, that message of how I spoke to myself was the way that I broke through and stop doing binge eating. Um, it was, it was definitely the way that I would talk to my daughter. I had to start saying in my head with love how I talked to myself. Cause I'd never treated myself with so much, well, with much love or kindness at all. And as soon as I started, I had a really fantastic therapist who said, how would you talk to your daughter if she was experiencing that? And it was with love and kindness and understanding. And there's no reason I don't deserve the same thing. Okay, so let's talk about what we really want to talk about, which is the retreats. So I'm going to tell you the truth. I really want to go to an idmprogram.com retreat. Um, I know that there's been one so far and there's one coming up and uh, it's in Hawaii. And then I'm going to tell you all my fears about the retreat. So first, tell me a little bit and then I'm going to ask you questions, okay? So guys, if you want to check out idmprogram.com, you can find out the information on the next retreat, which I believe is in Hawaii in August. Tell us where it is, when it is, and what happens. It's um, August 11th through the 18th. And so it's a Sunday through a Sunday. It's in Kalua Kona, which is, as I said earlier, on the west side of the state. Um, it'll be sunny. It'll be warm. It'll be beautiful. Um, it'll be fairly close to the water. Um, there'll be a pool. There'll be a lanai. There'll be time for relaxing, yoga, massages. And surprisingly to some people, because everyone jokes about this, but there'll be really delicious food. We do not fast people from the minute they get there until the minute we send them back on the plane. I didn't know we that. Have, oh, yeah. We have delicious food. 
we fast for four days. We do okay. a four day water only fast. Okay. Um, if people want to use, um, for example, if people are using cream in their coffee and, and that's how they fast and that's what they want to do, I will, I make those um, provisions for them. Yeah. But otherwise it's, it's a water coffee fast for four days. So we get there, we eat delicious food. We have a chef come in, have great food. Then we fast and then we break our fast and we have great food for a couple of days before everyone leaves. All right, here are all my questions. Number one, I didn't know that. I thought you fasted the whole time. That's amazing. And so for those <laughs> of you who are just getting into fasting, I want you to understand something. People who fast, and I'm going to speak as a whole here, I'm going to be very stereotypical. A lot of people think that people who fast are people who just don't care about food that much. And for myself and other people I've come across, you are so incorrect. I love food. I love the act of eating. And if I fast, I feel like I earn even better quality food when I eat. So if I'm going to fast, I will have a great meal before and I'll have a great meal after. And it, it like really just like makes me feel better about what I've accomplished. It rewards me. And I feel like I earn this really quality good food. And it, it, you might think like, oh, you're going to really want to eat junk. I haven't really found that. Like I really crave foods that really make me feel good most of the time after a fast. And I feel like I earned whatever the heck I want. So if I want a grass fed steak, that's really expensive and a big avocado. And like I get all organic and I can spend all I want because I didn't spend money on food for two days. So I deserve it. Um, so I love that you have a chef. So for these four days, first of all, the fact that you said you can have coffee is great. Cause I always have coffee with green when I fast and some people do, and some people do water only. And I have not accomplished that. Um, my thing is I, I really struggle with boredom when I'm fasting. So tell me how you overcome that. I, I, you know, you're in a beautiful place, so that's amazing. And there's all kinds of things you have to do. So are you staying in a house together or is it a hotel? Like one of the problems I have is when I'm fasting, I go somewhere, the smells of food really make it rough for me. So, so tell me some of the things you do to keep busy during these four days. Absolutely. Well, let me cover that part first. Yeah. We stay in a house. So you do not have to walk by the coffee shop and pastries yes. in the morning. You do not have to have the um, room service food trays <laughs> coming by at all times of the day and night and walk by the restaurant and things. So it's in a house. So during our fasting days, we don't have food in the house. We don't go places with food. I'm not going to take people to a restaurant <laughs> to Good. watch a, a volleyball game or something while um, they're fasting. So there's really not much exposure to food while we're fasting. Um, there are, like I said, provisions at the house. We do keep some bone broth available so that again, if anyone needs some electrolytes or needs something like that, that we have that available. Um, and then it, the retreat, it's this weird little balance of having things to do to be busy, but also having time to just relax and focus on yourself. And so I don't have the people planned from the minute they wake up until the minute they go to bed. Like I really plan in there some downtime and there are some days that are a little bit slower. Um, we do yoga or um, meditation in the morning. Um, again, the guests had two days that they had um, um, massages. We have a massage therapist come in. And so, you know, time to focus on taking good care of your body. So food is not the only way we take care of our body. Even while we're not eating, there are other great ways that we can take care of our body. Um, we spent a lot of time sitting out by the pool and it was big enough that, you know, 
you could sit with the other people and talk and have a great time, or you could just kind of go off in your own and just look out over, you could see the ocean from where we were, you could dip into the pool. Um, one of the guests who was there liked to do a lot of, um, she does like a water aerobics class at home. And so she would just get in the pool during the day and she'd be in there moving around. <laughs> and, um, obviously everyone has their own room. So people could go back to the room if they want to take a nap or something. Um, we did have a TV one night. We actually all sat down and watched a movie together in the evenings. We often would end up playing games, sitting around a big kitchen table or dining room table, playing games and just laughing so hard. Um, we had puzzles. People were, one woman had a, like a, coloring book, like an adult coloring yeah. book, but um, she used painting with it. So she was doing that. Um, so it's really just kind of activities like that around the house. And then we also go on some excursions where we leave the house. So for example, one day we drove around the island. So we got to see the south end of the island and we went up to Volcanoes National Park, which is actually- I have been really there. It was incredible. So this was the volcano that was just erupting last, yeah. last year at this time. <clears throat> so we went for a day, we got to see the volcano. We got to drive back around the northern part of the island to see some more things. Um, another day, um, actually on an eating day, so this was not done on a fasting day. We did go to a, um, an organic coffee farm where they also grow all kinds of fruit. Um, they grow cacao. Mm -hmm. um, primarily it's um, uh, coffee and macadamia nuts. So at the end of that, we got to sample everything. Everyone bought macadamia nuts to take home and we had coffee. It was delicious and it was great fun. Um, and then another day we went on an excursion. Um, can't think of the Hawaiian name. I'm not super on pronouncing all those things yet, but it's, um, it's called the City of Refuge. And it's just a beautiful area where in the history, um, if you had broken a law, and someone was out to get you or it could kill you for it, you would, if you made it to the city of refuge, you would be safe. So we just wow. went to places to get to experience the island. But again, they weren't restaurants or food focused. And it was really yeah. nice because we didn't take food. We didn't have to worry about when will we get, get home for dinner and where, where are we going to do lunch? We just sure. had fun. And there's a couple of spots left in the August 11th one right now, right? Okay. So if, yeah. if you want to yeah, check sure. out so the retreat, awesome. I know there's a couple of people signed up already. There's a couple of spots left. Go to idmprogram.com. You can check out the retreat. You can apply for that. And Terry is the person who hosts these and you, you know, get to go to Hawaii. So I really want to hear about all of that. Okay, Terry, you have wowed me. You have entranced me. And now people are wondering, how do I get to this lady? How do I have her as an actual health coach? What should people do if they want to reach out to you? How can they get in touch with you? Come to the IDM website and there is a place where you, it says to get started. You click on my link. It'll get you scheduled for a uh, new client consult. You and I will then be able to start scheduling appointments as soon as possible. And we can start working together within a couple of days. Terry, thank you so much for being my guest on Fasting Lane podcast. I had a blast. Um, still going to work on talking to my husband about going to that retreat that's coming up on August 11th. If you guys want to join the retreat or want to know more about Terry, please check out idmprogram.com. And you can check me out at fastinglane.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Fasting Lane. To your health and hotness, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Life in the Fasting Lane.